0: You're listening to the Pursue God Truth Podcast, the official channel for faith and life topics at PursueGod.org. Join us every week as we explore new topics from a biblical perspective. Okay, Pastor Eric, today we're studying Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. So for our listeners out there, that's where you can turn in your Bibles or your Bible app. And this is the famous story where Jesus calms a storm. Now, so far in the Gospel of Mark, we've seen Jesus's miraculous power over demons and the spiritual realm. We've seen his power over sickness. You know, he's healed paralytics and he's healed many diseases. But today we're going to add to the list the miraculous power of Jesus. And, And this isn't just for us as we're learning who Jesus is through the lens of Mark. It's really for his disciples, right? His disciples are following him. And they're we're going to see in our story today. They're just it's like adding to his legend. They're they're realizing that Jesus even has authority over creation itself, which again, if we zoom out, shouldn't be a surprise to us because Jesus is God and Jesus created all things, right? The world was created by the power of His word. So in retrospect, it shouldn't be conf- it shouldn't be surprising for us. But we have to remember that the, the disciples are still new to this. As they're following Jesus, they're still trying to wrap their mind around who he is. And many of our listeners might be in the same boat. You know, they're, they're probably saying, who is Jesus really? What is he all about? So anyway, today's story, we're about to read it here. But today's story is really for anyone who's trying to wrap their mind around who God is. Also, it's for anyone who, who boats, because we're going to have a water miracle, a boating miracle. So you boaters are going to love this. But really, more than anything, Eric, today's, today's story is for anyone who has experienced fear or anxiety. And maybe, Eric, we should start by defining those two things, because they're not exactly the same thing. Fear is a little bit broader than anxiety, So why don't we start by defining
1: our terms here today? Yeah, I think um, fear is an emotion, an automatic response to um, uh, something that happens, and it causes us to be vigilant about our safety. Uh, So fear isn't always a bad thing, but yet it's how we react to fear. And, And anxiety is one of those things When we're worried, when we're scared, when uh, we're we're lacking faith, anxiety comes up and causes us to worry about things that may happen. And so fear can be good or bad. It's an automatic response, but how we react to it is what's important. Yeah,
0: so really God built us, like He programmed us to have healthy fear. Mm. So for example, if if uh, your kid runs out into the street, that feeling that you get as a parent is a good feeling because you're going to run after them and grab them and pull them to safety. so, so if you had no sense of fear, that would be a bad thing. You wouldn't you probably wouldn't last very long, and your kids probably wouldn't last very long. So fear in general isn't bad. But what happens again is, And I think this is what people need to understand is you might even maybe unknowingly, and this was true for me, Eric, you might not even realize that the way you're reacting to fear, the way you're handling fear, and it might even be on a subconscious level, the way you're handling fear is not healthy and is leading to this low hum of anxiety in your life. Or maybe for guys like me, it'll lead to panic attacks in midlife. Right, and, so, and I've met a lot of guys who have experienced this. They didn't properly handle their fears, their ex- existential fears or whatever. They weren't self-aware enough to deal with this in a healthy way. And then it caught up to them three decades, four decades into their life in these, you know, I had panic attacks a few years back. And I'm like, what is going on here? Because I never felt like I was an anxious person, but I was someone who stuffed it. And I stuffed it and I stuffed it. And it turns out I wasn't dealing with fear appropriately, and we're going to get to all of that today, because by the end of today's lesson, we're going to give a a really practical way to handle fear in a
1: godly and helpful way. Yeah, I was just thinking about, we've all heard the kind of, the fight, flight, or freeze when it comes to fear. Many people react in different ways. Maybe that's something... You know, you can talk about with your spouse or your friends or a group or whoever you're with. You know, start out by asking, "How do you react to fear? What's your automatic response? Something that you've been wired to do." Um, you know, there are some people that, right when fear comes up, they react. They they react with with fighting, with with trying to solve the the situation, with with trying to protect. And then there are some people that just out of out of wanting to preserve their safety or their life will flight, run away and then there are some people who just kind of freeze you know in terror and don't do anything. Well I want to kind of add maybe the fourth one um, which we should think about another F, which is faith and I think that's what we're going to talk about today as we talk about fear, how to react to fear and, the storms that come up in life. And that's really what today's story is. And in the book of Mark, we're going to see a storm situation that causes fear into disciples. So let's go ahead and start reading it. Mark uh, chapter four, verses 35 through 37. It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Now this is on the, the Sea of Galilee, like a, a small body of water could be shallow um, and one thing I know about bodies of water like this, when, when winds, um, come up, when, when there's change in, in heat, and cold, and combined with the winds, you know, sometimes these shallow bodies of water, these smaller bodies of water can cause huge, huge squalls and, 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 and waves that can capsize boats. Actually, there's a, place by where i live that is is a body of water similar to this and um they every year have to have to basically fish people out of out of the body of water because sometimes just waves come up out of nowhere uh when when storms come and people are boating and having a good time and and eventually uh chaos happens and 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 so I know I know a, a person who is a police officer who had to deal with that on a regular basis at this this bay that we live by. Yeah, it was uh,
0: Tracy and I were out one one day. We said, "Let's go out onto the reservoir, beautiful mountain reservoir." And, and we get out there. We shared a stand up paddle board. It was just a romantic. Um, spiritual high. We 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 get out there to the middle of the reservoir, looking into the mouth of the canyon. It was really beautiful. The mountains. We spent some time out there in prayer, and then all of a sudden a squall kicked up, and it makes me think of this story. This squall kicks up. Now we had life jackets on and all that stuff, so our lives probably weren't in danger. But we literally, Eric, we couldn't make it back. To the shore where we started, the wind blew us all the way to the other side, to the other shore. And so we had to kind of wait for the squall to pass. And then we we got back in and tried to paddle across. And it, this wonderful spiritual getaway, romantic slash spiritual getaway, turned turned into a storm, a situation like what the disciples. We're experiencing, we kind of laugh about it today, but I'm sure they weren't laughing about it because water is breaking into the boat. It's, and you know, even though a lot of these guys were fishermen, this was clearly a scary situation. And we're really, you know, as we talk about this today, we're really not talking about storms on lakes or reservoirs. We're talking, we're talking about in our lives, we're talking about what happens when storms come into our lives. And, you know, it's interesting. Storms aren't always bad. We think of them as bad, but but sometimes God causes storms, and I think He caused this storm, by the way, because He wants to reveal something to us. He wants to show us something. He He wants to show us who He is. He wants us to show us His power, His control. First Peter one seven says, "Trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold." though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So, Eric, you're talking about how do you respond to fear, how do you respond to a storm in your life? Is it, um, is it fight, flight, freeze, or faith? And, and this is what Peter's saying, is faith is more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through these storms, through these trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So I think there are a lot of storms that our listeners can experience, and maybe it's good, if they're not already thinking about it, Eric, maybe it's good for us to list out some of those real quickly so that we have people in the right
1: frame of mind as we continue the story. Water represents um, power in in the world. You know, if you think about the world, it's covered with 70% of water. You know, for, for thousands of years, people have been afraid of the water because it it has so much power. It's a great example of, of how creation um, is, is powerful and, and, and it can be even scary and it can cause death and, and, and fear. And, and that's really what water represents in the old Testament. Um, you know, water represents a deep, a deep darkness that, that is as a result of the fallenness of creation. And, and so, I think Jesus is trying to teach people, his disciples, a lesson here that uh, you're going to have to go out into the world, and there are scary places, and there are powerful beings and people in the world, but this is what you're called to, is to go through this world and ultimately do my will. And along the way, there will be storms. Along the way, there will be trials. There will be scary times there will be things that bring fear and anxiety and it may even feel like chaos sometimes and you know what are some examples then you know for us practically storms in our lives well for for christians or even for you know regular everyday people we all struggle with with things that we don't quite fully understand why it has to be that way right like Marriage and family problems. Relationships are powerful. Relationships are scary to some people, right? And and they hold a lot of power in our, in our hearts and in our minds. And uh, when things aren't going going right, when when marriage struggles happen, um, and you feel like you know there's chaos, this could end in so many different ways. This is gonna cause you know, a disruption in, in my lifestyle and, and change my life forever. That that's a storm. And many people go through that all the time. Or maybe it's children, you know, that are wayward or struggling with mental or emotional issues that we don't quite know how to take care of or handle. You know, you see some of these things can be in our control, but sometimes most of the time, storms like this are out of our control, um, and and really fear, um, we're we're fearful of the things that we're not in control of. You know, so there are storms in life, like financial issues, you know, addictions, physical ailments that that people have that we're out that's not in our control. There's accidents. I mean. I hear almost every day of someone being in an accident, a car accident, or or some kind of recreational accident. I know people, several people close to me, that this has happened to, and it and and it's going to cause, um, you know, a lot of things that in their life um to change, and that's a scary thing, right? Even spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare, can sometimes bring up uh, so many. Struggles in a person's life that they don't know how to deal with, and that's really, you know, some of these examples. I think maybe, maybe if you're listening to this, come up with some more examples. Talk about how some of these things um, bring fear up in your life. Um, that's that's what I think Jesus is trying to get across to the disciples is there. There's gonna be. Worse things than this happen, and you're going to be needing to know how to, how to deal with them. Be ready, you know. So that's what his job is while he's walking with the disciples for three years. Just have them ready for the amazing things that they're going to do when he's not here. This is the training ground for them. And it is for us as well. And we need to, as followers of Jesus, as disciples, as we go through this life, uh, we need to know how to react to these things, right? So the disciples
0: here—they are in the boat. It's filling up with water. There's this fierce storm that kicks up, and verse 38 is a little bit comical. When you—if you could just visualize this scene, the disciples are freaking out, and it says in verse 38 that Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. I love that Mark even gives us that kind of detail like we're he wants us to picture what's going on here. So this storm is is wrecking their world in the moment and Jesus is asleep, which is which is actually we could probably spend the rest of the time just talking about that right there. It shows us that Jesus is at peace. It shows mm. us that he's at peace. I know for me when I had when I when I am anxious about something, I have a hard time sleeping. Um, I have a hard time shutting down my mind and sleeping. Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat. I mean, he's had this crazy busy day. You remember a few weeks ago, his, his family wanted to intervene and take him home because, he, because of his work-life balance. And and Jesus has got all this stuff going on in his life. He's literally ha- has a storm raging around him, and he's asleep. Man, what a great picture. Anyway, the disciples wake him up, and here's what they said. Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was great calm. I mean, there's just so much here, Eric, in this story as we try to picture the story. But really, the, the contrast I think people should pick up on is Jesus's calm, Jesus's reaction, and even really how he was able to bring calm to the situation. I mean, everything, it was a storm, and then all of a sudden it wasn't anymore.
1: Mm-hmm you know the bible says that god neither slumbers nor sleeps and yet all throughout mark what we've seen so far is is jesus proven who he is he's the son of god and he is he is his god himself the second member of the trinity um and so then what we see in jesus sleeping like you said he's peaceful why because he knows the outcome he knows he didn't send them across the lake not knowing what was going to happen um he he knows and has perfect trust in the father in his own authority and in in the spirit's power and so he's able to sleep but what it also shows us is not not only is jesus god but he's also man you know he's worn out he's tired like, you have to be pretty tired to be able to sleep through all that stuff. As you said, Brian, it's pretty hard to sleep um, with anxiety. As a matter of fact, it's pretty hard for me to sleep if there's any light or noise in the room. I have to have it, like, pitch black, dark, you know, with with the perfect temperature, right? and 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 the perfect amount of, you know, zero light and comfort with a pillow and all this stuff. But he's so worn out. He's... He's able to sleep through this. So it's really a great picture of Jesus being both God and man. You know, that's a theological concept that we should all continue to try to figure out who Jesus is. But one thing that's beautiful about this story is, is that he he has the power to rebuke the wind and the waves. And that again goes back to his deity that only God can command the wind and the waves to obey him. He he's the one who created everything the Bible says and now he's proving his authority over creation just like God in the Old Testament. There's so many stories like like the story of, you know, um him delivering the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and then they come up to the Red Sea and 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 they're kind of trapped at the Red Sea and so what does God do he performs this water miracle and he parts the Red Sea and, and they go across on dry ground and then and then he causes it to fall back over on their enemies and so so people especially even these fishermen who were uh, you know Jewish they would have seen like wow only, like who is this right like only God can Because only God can control nature. And so the funny thing about this verse, though, is the disciples' reaction. They're kind of (laughs) rude. They're kind of rude in awakening Jesus the way they do. It really shows their lack of faith. They say, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Like, can't you do something about this? And, you know, all the miracles they've seen Jesus do up until this point right? Like, you know, the healing of the leper, the, you know, casting out demons, the, you know, uh taking care of thousands of people, and, and all the things that they've seen up until this point, and it's like we get these glimpses of the disciples, even though they walk and talk with Jesus, their faith is still always wavering. It's always, they're always questioning, like, okay Jesus is powerful enough to do this but is he powerful enough to do this you know like every new thing that comes along it's like okay I've seen him work before but surely he might not be able to do this thing in this thing in this thing and and it really just shows you know that they 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 just don't know who he is they don't know um, how good he is how powerful he is but yet Jesus, could have reacted in judgment to them, right? Like how dare you wake me up from my slumber and challenge me, basically disrespect me by by questioning whether I care or not. Well, Jesus proves that he cares. He could have he could have, you know, said, "Okay, it's over. We're going to cause a hurricane. You guys are done," right? Break up the boat and they all drown and they get what they deserve. He could have did that, but no, what does Jesus do? He doesn't get up and rebuke them. Instead, he takes care of their problem that's causing fear. He rebukes the wind and the waves and for us, I think, you know, what that should bring in our lives is is a is a calm, right? Is is that that when we go to God in prayer, sometimes in frantic fear, or maybe even in lack of faith, uh, He's not going to smite us or hit us with lightning or cause a, a, a hurricane you know, to, to, to be mad at us because of our lack of faith. But rather, God knows our, our weaknesses. Um, he knows our fears. And yet when we come to Him, He is powerful enough and He is good enough to take care of us I love psalm, what Psalm 107 29 says it says then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed then they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven yeah Psalm 107 is an interesting
0: one it's uh, you know it's the psalm of the people of Israel which is kind of like their songbook. And if you look at that psalm, and it is, it's almost like a prophetic psalm about the story we're reading today. But really, what it was in that time for the Israelites is it was a call to worship. that That psalm gives a, a few examples of different people in, <clears throat> in Israel at the time. You know, it, it talks about at the beginning of the psalm, it says that God has gathered the exiles from many lands, from east and west, from north and south. And then it says some wandered in the wilderness. Maybe some of our listeners can relate to that. You just feel like you've been wandering from God. It says in verse 10 that some sat in darkness and deepest gloom. So it seems to be explaining people, not physically in prison, but it's, it's talking about in prison in iron chains of misery. So maybe people who have struggled with anxiety or depression, you know, this isn't a new thing. Even in, in the Psalms, it talks about people like that. It says in verse 17 that some were fools and they rebelled and suffered for their sins. And then the the verse that we're looking at right here is it's talking about that some went off to the sea in ships. And it, it, again, what it's just saying is no matter where you are, no matter where, basically, no matter where life has taken taken you, wherever your journey has taken you in your life. And, you know, for every listener out there, there's that many journeys. Every journey is different. Every journey is unique. But, but again, I love what it's talking about in Psalm 107, and, and it relates to what is happening in Jesus's life, is that he's just gathered exiles. It's like God is gathering anyone who would listen. He's gathering anyone who has ears to hear, anyone who wants to know who God is and how it can impact your life. It's like this broad invitation, it's this invitation to the whole world. It's not just an invitation to Israelites, to Jewish people. Thank God, because I'm not Jewish. Eric, you aren't either. It's this invitation to anyone who would respond to fear with faith instead of responding to fear in these other ways that we've talked about. And that's really what brings us to the end of this little passage. I mean, Jesus makes it really clear in verse 40 and 41. He asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? You know, after three chapters of all these stories, you've seen my authority over the spiritual world. You've seen my authority over infirmities. And still, this new situation kicks up. And it's almost like it, you're like, I don't know if God could handle this one. Okay, he handled that one, he handled that one, he handled the other one, but I don't know if he could handle this one. And it says in verse 41 that the disciples were absolutely terrified. Now, it's interesting because verse 41 seems to be talking about something different. Earlier they were terrified because of the storm, but now there's not a storm. And verse 41 says that they're still terrified. And we get a clue as to why in the next line it says, the disciples said, who is this man? They asked each other. Even the winds and wave obey him. So you almost get this sense, Eric, that now their fear goes from fearing the situation that they were in, and now they're like fearing who Jesus is, like they're beginning to see him and his his fearful power. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, the C.S. Lewis and the chronicles of narnia when they're talking about aslan of course who represents jesus and i don't remember which one of the kids asked it is is he is he uh, safe and and aslan answers with or someone else answers of course he's not safe mm. but he's good and it, that reminds me of this is as we begin to understand who god is eric it should bring this And again, this is kind of a little bit of a confusing word to people who are new to this, but it should bring this fear of God, which is different from fearing the storm, right? Because the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when we have this proper fear of God, the crazy thing is, is it takes away our fear of whatever situation that we're in.
1: Yeah, I think the Bible wants us to fear the Lord rather than fear the world, fear the creator rather than the creation, because he's got power over all of it, right? And so fear in the disciples' hearts and minds right now, like I said earlier, it really reveals their, their lack of faith in God's power and who he is and in his goodness. And I think fear... Um, is is just that. It's, the, it's a lack of, of faith in God. And the Bible tries to remind us so much to not fear, to trust in the Lord. Um, as a matter of fact, the Bible says at least 365 times this phrase, do not fear, have no fear. And so I've heard that that's a verse a day for an entire year, every year, as a reminder for us not to worry. Now, on leap years, I guess that one day every four years you can worry. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, here's an example of one of those verses. Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so, as you said, you know, the Lord is to be And as we talked about earlier, fear isn't necessarily a bad thing. Fear is an automatic response that God gave us to move and to act. And so instead of fight, flight, or freeze, we ought to go directly to faith when fear pops up so that we can we can start trusting in the Lord, be be trained in his word to understand that he's got our back, he's powerful. And he's worth listening to, and he's worth trusting. Um, and so as we see the disciples here, I think this is a great lesson for us. Not to necessarily follow in their footsteps, in their lack of faith, but re- really we should see them as as an example of what not to be. And I believe this was all written down for us to, to, to see that uh, they had it wrong, but we can we can get it right. Next time the storm comes up in and, and your life or my life, we're called to not have fear, but have faith.
0: Yeah, so let's re- revisit some of our definitions from the beginning. You know, we said fear is, like you said, fear is is an emotion that's appropriate many times, but it's our response to that. It's our reaction to that emotion. That was the question. How do you How do you respond to fear? And so if you fear the storm, whatever storm it is that you're facing right now, financial, relational, physical, maybe an illness for you or your family, fearing the storm is the anxiety response. Fearing the Lord is the faith response. So saying, I'm going to, another way to think about faith is trusting that God's in control when I'm not. And that for me that was a huge takeaway when I had panic panic attacks years ago. It was so confusing to me because I felt like I was such a person of faith, but what I'd realized I'd been doing is I'd been trying to control everything in my life, and I real at a certain point I realized I wasn't in control. Every that's going to be everyone is going to eventually lose their illusion of control. You know, for me, it it took me till I was in my mid forties, and and all of a sudden I realized. Now, again, not consciously, I had to. It took me many months of prayer and study and processing, like what is going on inside of me, and what what I realized is, and some of our listeners need to hear this because maybe you're going through something like this right now. What I'd realized is, I was living under this illusion of control that I was in control of everything in my life. And God gave me this gift of self-awareness that I wasn't in control and that he was all along. And so faith is trusting that God's in control, trusting that he's spinning the world. I don't have to spin the world. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to calm every storm, by the way. That doesn't mean he's going to answer every one of our prayers the way we're asking for him to answer them. Faith just means I trust that God is good. I trust that he's in control and he's good. And it's better that he's in control rather than, I, than I'm in control. And that's really what the Christian faith is about. It's trusting that God's got it, even though I don't, especially when I don't. It's trusting that God God has it. That's the faith response to fear rather than the anxiety response to fear. and And Eric, maybe something we can talk about with people is how— you know, as we close up this topic, like on a practical level, how do they do that? How do they, how do they exercise this faith muscle when they're when they've got that anxiety reaction that's more natural to them?
1: Well, first, I would say that um, we need to be prepared, um, and if we think about Jesus, you know. Going and calling his disciples and putting them through boot camp and training, and you know for for when he's going to leave, so that they can continue on, you know, building God's kingdom in the church later. Um, he's preparing them, and so before we even even think about reacting, you know, we need being reactive. We need to be proactive, and and to be proactive to build our faith for when those those storms come in life. We can't always just be reactive and 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 think that we're going to have great faith. You know, great faith comes from uh, discipline, from pursuing God, from getting to know who Jesus is by, you know, gathering together with other believers and small groups and at church and And hearing the word of God and learning the word of God and talking about the word of God with your with your family, with your friends, and and just really learning about who God is, who is this Jesus, and what has He came to do, and how good is He, right? And how much does He love love me? How much does He care for me? I mean, so that's one of the things I would say is to be proactive so that when the storms come, you're ready, but then you know they always they always storms usually come when we're not expecting it, um, and so in those times again going back to the the reaction um, rather than fight flight or freeze, uh, we've got to have some tools in our belt to be able to react to model or to to live our faith out i mean i would definitely say prayer is one of those things prayer if and i hear this all the time like you know i've been uh you know doing marriage counseling or or you know in in all kinds of situations and discipling people and seeing how people react to things and one of the things common theme that always comes up is did you did you stop, drop to your knees and pray, you know, about that? It, w- could that ever be your first reaction? Um, instead of like waiting, we always hear people say, well, all, all we have left to do is pray now. We've tried to control every part of the situation. Mm-hmm. We've, we've done everything we can, expending ourselves, reacting to the situation, and now all we can do is pray. Well, it shouldn't be that way. We ought to be able to if we believe God is sovereign, he's in control and he is good, then we ought to drop to our knees and and just talk to him and pour our hearts out to him and and ask him, Lord, will you save us kind of like the disciples we shouldn't do it rudely but but yet God is not sleeping like he was in the boat and so he's always awake. He's always ready in heaven to hear our prayers, to hear our cries. And so let us never use the excuse that we waited because we didn't think He would hear us or that we waited because we thought we could control the situation first. We, we should first and foremost go, go to the Lord in prayer because He is good. And I love what Psalm 46 says. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He is there. He is ready and it says, therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though any kind of disaster would happen because the world is crazy, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Um, and then it fast forward to verse 10, but be still and know that I am God. We need to just slow down when the storms come. Pause for a moment drop to our knees, pray, and trust that God is good, that Jesus, who is this man? This is what I think we should close with, is the question when they were terrified and they said, who is this that the wind and the waves obey him? Well, this is God. This is Jesus Christ, the one who came and died for our sins to take care of the biggest problem that we have in our lives. The biggest thing causes most of the storms is our own sin. And Jesus Christ came down and died for you and me so that we could have direct access to God who never sleeps nor slumbers, but is our refuge and our help in times of trouble. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and, and ultimately we can see in an example of his own life that he didn't try to escape past the storms. He didn't try to, he didn't, You know, even though being God and being in control, he lived through much pain and trial and storms in his life and yet did that as an example for us to endure in our own faith and our trust in God's will for our lives. And ultimately, his suffering brought us peace. He was courageous enough to go through that because it was the Lord's will and it ultimately was a good thing. But so we can... Trust that He is God, He is good, and He will deliver you and me through this storm to the other side of our lives. And ultimately, it may not be even in this life where we get full and complete peace, but we do know that we have an eternal life waiting for us where never-ending peace will be ours. And that should cause us to be able to endure through any storm in our lives.
0: Yeah, if you're caught up in a storm today... I just encourage you to reread this section and put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. And and again, answer this question, how do you react to fear? Fear is normal. Fear is okay. But how do you react to it? That's the real question. What's your response to fear? Do you respond with anxiety, with worry? Or do you respond by pressing in even more to Jesus, you know, that's what the disciples did. They went, they turned to Jesus. Are are you in the boat with Jesus? That's really the main question is, are you willing to turn to Jesus, whatever the storm is in your life? Because I think storms really draw a line for us in the sand. Some storms cause people to deconstruct their faith and turn their back on Jesus. That's not what the disciples did. The disciples turned toward Jesus. They woke him up. They said, help us. And Jesus helped them. Now, they didn't fully understand him. They, were, they still had a lot more to learn about who Jesus was. And maybe for you today, that's kind of where you are, is, is you're saying, I just need to know Jesus more. Then that's what we invite you to do. Press in to Jesus, because Jesus is in control. And that's really what the essence of faith is, is trusting that Jesus is in control even when you're not. Now, to talk about today's topic with uh, maybe your family or a small group or a mentor, we encourage you to check out all these resources. It's in our Mark series. You can find it online, pursuegod.org forward slash Mark. And make sure to tune in next week as we continue to study this great book. Hey, listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app that really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.